is The Dish Pig. I'm your host, Nick Sherry. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's Christmas. It's also the final episode of 2021. So a big thank you to all of our guests who joined us on the podcast this year. It's been brilliant to chat to you all. If you celebrate Christmas, have a very Merry Christmas. If you don't, enjoy your Saturday. And if you're looking for any last-minute Christmas gifts, why not share this podcast with a friend and subscribe? You can also follow us on Instagram at the underscore dish underscore pig. So this week, is there such thing as a perfect pub? Yes, is the simple answer. There are many, of course. From the Lincoln Hotel in Melbourne, to the Running Horses in Mickleham Village in Surrey, to the Chip Inn in Chicago. What about McSorley's in NYC? The Napier in Melbourne? The list goes on. The Wellington Arms ties so many things together, from a cosy bar, a beautiful dining room, a sprawling beer garden, exquisite food, the best cup of tea in the world, and rooms to rest your head after you've eaten and drunk yourself silly. Today we get to meet the gentleman responsible for this oasis, Jason King and Simon Page. British food writer Giles Corrin wrote that he would gladly stay at the Wellington Arms forever. He's not wrong. So let's get into it. Okay, here we are. Thank you, Simon and Jason, for for joining me. It's a it's a pleasure to talk to you both, uh, all the way from Hampshire, England. Correct? That's right. Yep. Um, well, we can just jump straight into um, into my stock standard first question, which was, what was the last thing you guys cook for yourself? Um, we just had steak for dinner last night, and I made fondant potatoes. And- a bit of a crazy salad. Um, we got home quite late. Uh, we Simon and I have two foster children, and dinner has to be on the table at six o'clock. So um, it was a bit of a dash. <laughs> I was going to say, so, a, so Jason, like, being 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 the chef um, at, at the Wellington Arms, like, do, do do you actually? I mean, with Sunday and Mondays being your day off, do you actually ever get a day off, or are you still cooking at home as well? I yeah, <laughs> I cook all the time. And it's funny in in the old days when it was just Simon and me, um, we could sort of just have soup and be a pretty easy dinner but now the kids it's like it's a full-on affair because they eat as much as a grown adult they're just crazy um yeah <laughs> i seem to cook all the time <laughs> i can see why the deli um works so well because uh, i think people just get sick and tired of having to do it um being a chef i, I love cooking but um mm. yeah uh, <laughs> these kids uh, they eat non-stop <laughs> i'm cooking for the day where they can fend for themselves um, How about yeah. you, Simon? What, what what was the last thing that you uh that you, that you cooked for yourself well, or or the, or the family? He, he's, I'm a, he's a breakfast chef. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I cooked porridge for breakfast this morning. Oh, beautiful! And my contribution to dinner last night was rice pudding. Yeah, oh, lovely, <laughs> lovely. <laughs> um, Very simple. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's been. Um, I think Simon, you were telling me when we when we spoke leading up to um to recording that this is. It was 2005 when you guys acquired the pub. Is that correct? That's right. Yes, October 2005. Wow. So it's um, it's been a long time now. Yes, we remember it well. But I guess I mean, what um, 
it'd be great to kind of jump back in time a bit. And, and Jason, we can we, we can start with you because um, you, you're not you, you're originally from Australia. Is that yeah, I'm Melbourne. Oh, yeah, so, oh, so, oh, so yeah, two 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 Melbourne guys, perfect. Yeah, um, so tell us tell us a bit about you know where you grew up and how you actually got on the got on the journey to be to becoming a chef. Oh, well, um, I uh, I had this mad idea that I was I was going to become a, a vet, and um, I, I, I'm sadly wasn't quite bright enough. Um, <laughs> and my parents my parents uh, went away on a holiday to to Turkey and when they came back from Turkey I dropped out of university and I was working in a restaurant uh which was a bit of a shock right. <laughs> for them um I yeah it was a bit of a strange way it all sort of happened um yeah it wasn't a lot of thought put involved in it but um um yeah <laughs> a bit embarrassing story actually <laughs> should, have, should have thought about that a bit more <laughs> How, how, I mean, do, do, do you remember the? Do you remember that first uh, first restaurant that you were working in, and, and what you were doing? Yeah, yeah, I was working. You probably know it. It was it was called Fanny's. It was owned by um, Gloria Staley. Okay. Um, it was in uh, Lonsdale Street, and it was, I think, the only three had restaurant in Australia. I think at that time, um, wow. and she was she was pretty brutal. Yeah. Um, she she um, she had this Cartier bracelet that made you know those three rings, and it would make a certain clunk whenever she moved. And we could hear it coming a mile off, um, <laughs> and it was a bit like um, it was a bit like the sound you'd, you'd sort of hear, um, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, the film, and you hear that. Yeah, song. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that was just. Well, I'm surprised that didn't happen when she came in. She was tough. She was really tough. <laughs> have you um, have you yeah. taken that through like to later life where you like hear the the the, the, the kind of you know jingling of jewelry that it kind of gives you flashbacks? Not at all. No, I, I think the people I worked for were, were pretty much a, um, uh, what would I say, um, a good example of how not to run a restaurant. Um, <laughs> although <laughs> things, things in the old days uh, when I was younger, because I'm almost 50 now, uh, were pretty brutal uh, compared to what it's like these days. Yeah. Um, I think I think, um, I think if any of the staff that work for me these days who <laughs> are all pretty much millennials, um, would would be crushed under the, the responsibilities <laughs> that, that uh, <laughs> I think we endured when we were younger. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it would. Um, yeah, I'm just thinking about it now. She was she was a tough lady. Um, we had this um, maitre d called Claude Verasea, who who was just amazing. Uh, I remember he took the top of a bottle off once with a sword and popped it out the window. <laughs> right. I think it was champagne, I think. He was pretty cool. He was pretty cool. He was amazing. Yeah, he um, he could spot a girl's perfume a mile off. He knew exactly what it was. Uh, he had an incredible range. Uh, he, was, he was a very stylish chap. Yeah. And so that- if, you, if, you've been, if you've been to the restaurant, you would, you would know either of those two people because they were, they were quite, um, um, quite, a, quite a personality in those days. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. But that was like so. This so this is that was like your culinary school that kind of kicked things off, or yeah, that was I was nineteen, just I think, uh, yeah, just nineteen, I think, when I was working there, um, and I was pretty wet behind the ears, um, yeah. and <laughs> yeah, I went to a, a, a private school. Where my mum struggled to send me to um, called Trinity, and then working in a kitchen um, was a bit of a shock. <laughs> it was it was definitely different, yeah. I was I, I I was just across the road from you at um at uh, no way. at Xavier College. 
Oh, next door. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Navy was Savior was a big school. It was um, right next to mine. They were they were tough. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think your school they still cane kids. Is that right? <laughs> Did they do that? I'm I, sure I, that was always a rumor at, at I, my school. Going, you know, that those Xavier boys are tough. <laughs> I think uh, I, I I can't confirm or deny that, but um, <laughs> I I would I would hope not these days. Um, <laughs> wow. So, so so I so I mean I guess you know having you know started off in, in a pretty. Um, in a pretty brutal environment to kind of, you know, get your feet wet and, you know, get on, get on the path of, uh, of, of becoming a chef. You, you, you weren't discouraged at all. It was just, I um, you know, like, you, you kind of fell in love with it and you realized that this is, yeah. this is what you were going to do with the rest of your life. Oh, I think I was good at it. I mean, I always cooked when I was younger, I always cooked. Um, right. My being a single, my mom was a single parent. Um, she got home late and stuff. So I, we always had these, ladies who would sort of look after us on the way home from school. We're not, not like talking the full on nanny affair. It's just ladies of the village kind of thing. Um, and I remember Mrs. Fox who she had no taste, so she couldn't taste or smell and she would often mix the sugar and the salt up. So we'd have hamburgers <laughs> made out of sugar and, and salty pudding and stuff. And I, I, I think at an early age, I realized we could do it better here. Yeah. <laughs> this has got to end. Um, so I always cook some pretty crazy stuff. Um, yeah, from early on, I think just to fend off starvation. I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I was always I was always interested in cooking. Um, yeah, it's fu- it's funny you yeah. mentioned that uh, mixing the salt and sugar up because I a friend of mine we were making um, frozen daiquiris one night and it was her turn to make the next round and she came out with the tray and we all started drinking them and we were like something is a little <laughs> bit off here. And she had a hundred percent put about one cup of sugar uh, of, of salt, I think, oh, into shit. these in, in, into this blender and blended it up. But it was, uh, it's not a good experience, is it? No, it's not. It's not. But, but, it, but it's it, it's it, it's a good lesson, you know. It, it teaches us something. You know, you'll you'll never. I'm sure in the kitchen. I'm sure in the kitchen of Fanny's, if you if if you screwed up in that way, you'd you'd, you'd never make that mistake again. Oh no, Jesus! Andy Hill was the second chef. Uh, then in those days, and he was he was brutal. <laughs> He'd be cleaning the cool room out forever <laughs> with a toothbrush. Um, yeah, yeah, he was a tough he was a tough chap. He was sort of ex army, and um, he came up with new and creative ways of making your life unpleasant if you stepped out of line. Yeah, um, sure. yeah. <laughs> and and so, Simon, how how about you? Um, you know, um, tell us a bit about where where you where you grew up and how you kind of fell into the hospitality industry yourself. Okay. Well, I um, my first taste of it was I was a barman at a local pub when I was eighteen mm-hmm. in England, and um, and then throughout university, I suppose I I dabbled working at restaurants here and there in London, and um, for the Bendham, didn't you? Yeah, I worked at the Bendham on the Kings on the Fulham Road for a while, mm-hmm. um, and then Jason and I met in Hong Kong, and I worked for a few restaurants in Hong Kong. Oh wow! Okay. Um, it's such a, a good profession to fall back on. And um, and then Jason and I moved from Hong Kong to England and we wanted to run a pub. And so um, we gave up all of our other jobs to to open and run a pub. Wow. We, so went, on, we so went and worked for a friend's pub for a few days, just remember how to do it. Oh, okay. And um, get back into the swing of it, pulling pints and talking to customers. Yeah, and um, then opened our own. Yeah, it's a nice little um, 
I mean, it, it, it was a nice friend to, to let you do that just to kind of get a little bit of a taste of it just in case you wanted to yes. maybe, maybe, you know, back, back it out. Too, too late to that stage. <laughs> <laughs> so what, I mean, I mean, you know, back to Hong Kong very quickly. I mean, what, what were you, what were you both doing there and how did you meet and what kind of, I went, on that path? Yeah, sure. I, I went to Hong Kong having left university, having graduated from university because there was nothing better to do in England at the time. Yeah. And I got given the opportunity to go out there and stay with family. And I ended up working in restaurants to go traveling. And I was there in the end for about eight, year, eight or nine years. Oh, wow. Okay. And met Jason in the, the final year that I was there. Oh, my, my story is a bit worse. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I went to go and work for... It's a good story. I left, <laughs> I left, I left working for Paul Bacuse, uh after, after Danny's. I went to... Um, Melbourne uh, after Fanny's, I went to work for Bob Coos and that was pretty great for about three years. And then after that, I accepted a job. Actually, John Turoad actually came to Melbourne and hired a whole bunch of Australians to uh, work in the restaurant called Mezzo. Okay. Um, they were opening up in Wardour Street in, in London. It's a really big deal. It was the second restaurant that Terence Conrad had after Quaglino's. Uh-huh. And... <laughs> None of us got work visas <laughs> and it was all over the papers because we all got arrested and I, we were, oh, I, I was deported. Um, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it really fucked up my it life. It was all supposed to be a perfect job, but it, they it, didn't do the paperwork. Yeah, it really fucked up my life for a while, actually. Um, and I think if I ever see John Turoad, I think I'll rearrange his face. Um, but it was pretty, <laughs> it, was, it was really tough because we ended up getting deported. And it was really funny. It was just a, an embarrassing story. Is that? The night before um, it all happened, I, I met some person um, at a club and it was all nice and stuff. And then the following morning I was put onto a plane in handcuffs and there I met that person again uh, who happened to be <laughs> oh <laughs> serving on, on board the um, flight as a, as a steward. And <laughs> the, first thing, the first thing I said was, I, I can explain. <laughs> she looked sort of horrified at me thinking, Jesus Christ, what the hell's wrong with this one? Um, yeah, it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't a good story, but it was funny how it happened. Um, so I arrived very drunk at um, uh, Hong Kong Airport. Um, <laughs> I think um, the steward felt sorry for me, so I got blasted on the board of the plane. Um, yep. Thank you, Richard Branson, for that. That was, that was very <laughs> kind of you. Um, <laughs> and so I, I got on, um, I got to um, Hong Kong, um, and thought I'll, I'll, you know what, I'll buy a suit. You know, that's what they used to do in those days. Oh yeah, go and go I'll, to a tailor that, and yeah, get yeah, some that, 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 yeah. So I, I, I sort of on the way there, I saw a restaurant that was quite pretty cool called um, oh god, what's it called? Wyndham Street Thai, I think. And I had lunch there, and I met a guy there um, who was who was I think running it, and they offered me a job. <laughs> Just like that. It was really funny because they were opening a new restaurant across the road and yeah. they offered me a job. And so I, I started working for them sort of up to the next day. It was very strange how it happened. Quick quick, um, quick question. Did did you get a work visa for Hong Kong? <laughs> Not for a few years. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's move over that one. Let's move over that. Not for a few years. Um, no, it was, yeah. <laughs> Not for a few years. Look, things were really different. This was way before 9-11 and stuff. So, um, and before '97, uh, well. yeah, all of that sort of stuff was right. Was, right, okay, it, yeah, was pretty easy in those days. Mm. Um, yeah, so mm, yeah, didn't 
yeah, didn't pay so off. So you were supposed to go home, weren't you? I was supposed to, to go Melbourne, home. but yeah. just didn't go stopped, home. stopped in Hong Kong. Yeah, I didn't go home for seven years. It's pretty crazy. Um, so so if, 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 you weren't, if you weren't deported from the UK, you never would have met Simon? No, no, I probably wouldn't have. No, I, and I'm probably still working in a restaurant maybe in the UK or whatever because I had a great time. The UK was amazing. Um, clubs were so, so different from being in Melbourne because Melbourne in the old days was – you know, we had some good restaurants and stuff, but only very few. Right. Um, and, you know, and, and it was a bit, you know, it was all a bit small, I suppose. And then arriving in London, it was just like, whoa, this is incredible. Um, and I was seemed to be always running up and down Waldorf Street and having a great time after work. And mm. it was just, it was terrific. Um, I sort of blew through quite a lot of money very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> London's an expensive town to hang out in. Um, uh, yeah. And then I suppose just, there wasn't really a lot of thought put involved. And I think after I left university and started cooking and things like that, I seemed to be sort of, there wasn't really a plan. It just sort of, I kept falling into things and I've been just been very fortunate, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very lucky. <laughs> it could have gone horribly wrong, I suppose, on, <laughs> at any turn. Um, but yeah, it always seemed to sort of work itself out. And I mean, yeah. Simon, I mean, at any stage, did you kind of think, you know, like, w- was there a plan in the back of your head that you were like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm here in Hong Kong, I'm, I'm working away, but I, I, I do want to, you know, I do want to go home and maybe open up my own place. Was there anything kind of bubbling Gosh, away no. in the back of your head or, or not? No, very far from it. No, nothing at all. Right. I'm no desire to own a restaurant. No, you went. No, you, you, you moved to Hong Kong to stay in your brother's <laughs> flat, I think. Yeah, and I, you never went home. <laughs> yeah, um, I was. I got into teaching in Hong Kong. Um, okay. I'm a musician. Studied music at university, mm-hmm. and so I was playing music in Hong Kong, and came back to the UK to do um, a postgraduate in teaching, and um, so I then became, became a teacher in England. Well, that's and, because Tony Blair changed the rules, didn't he? Do you remember you had to work for a year in a government school? Yeah, I was going to do the year's qualification and then leave uh-huh. um, and go back to Hong Kong. Where I was. Um, where Jason had taken on a flat and we were going to move in together in Hong Kong. But ah, okay. In order to, to validate my qualification, I had to work for a year in a government school to get to finalise my qualification. Yeah. And so I had to stay. Crazy and then um, Jason just, left yeah. Hong Kong to, to join me in England. Got it. Okay. Because we had it sort of a year apart and we had lots of fun holidays and stuff like that. But then it was like, is this going to be another year? I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so we, um, you know, I, I taught for, um, I became assistant director of music at a boys prep school in Reading. Um, Jason was working here and there and we had a very successful private catering company. Okay. On the side. On the side. <laughs> so we'd work every weekend Yeah. Um, between our other jobs. Um working for some very fabulous people, doing yes, some amazing crazy parties. Customers. Yeah. And, um, and then we decided to give that all up, the teaching, the private catering to open a pub. Yes, that was quite a step. <laughs> and so, that's, so that brings us to, to the, the Wellington Arms. Um, yeah. T- so how did you, how did you, you know, decide to, 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 to open a pub? How, how did you even go about Finding finding one like what was what was that whole process like? Um, we, we registered with quite a few agents. Mm-hmm. We kept missing um, out though. We didn't have enough money. That um, was the problem. Yeah, we didn't have any money, and um, we were just looking at pubs all the time. We wanted something. Pubs were selling for about a million pounds each those those days. They were yeah. really busy. Yeah, um, punch taverns and and this the like of them. And they were buying them up every week. It was crackers. 
So the pub prices were just insane. So to, just a little teeny tiny pub was a million quid in those days. That's that's 15, 16 years ago. That's a long time. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, we, we thought a pub is the way to go because it's relaxed, it's informal, it's very traditional English. Um, it's a real British thing to do. We'd have, we'd been to a few really groovy ones. Some really groovy pubs. Yeah. Much better. It's far more groovy than restaurants. Yeah. Um, pub was definitely the way to go. And, um, and we heard of this one. This one had a lease, didn't it? Yeah. And we were looking for about three years. Yeah. And we okay. found the Wellington Arms at the end of that. And you, I think we just went for a, a drink and it was almost shut. It was almost, it was shutting down or it wasn't selling. It wasn't trading very well. And um, we thought it was great. <laughs> so much potential. And the lease wasn't yeah, a huge amount of money. Um, so we kind of, yeah, we just could have bought it really quickly <laughs> yeah. without a lot of thought. Yeah. Wasn't, wasn't too well thought through actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, yeah, it was a, it was a pretty poor state when we got it. Um, I was going to say money ever since <laughs> we started renting from the, from the brewery. It was punch taverns at the time. Yeah. And um, they're just a property company with expensive beer. Uh-huh. And then we, we were asking them every six months can we buy the freehold can we buy the freehold and eventually i'd say was it five years i think so in, yeah let's buy it I think. we um made them an offer and we got to buy the freehold beautiful yeah. and it, it it was it was called something else when you bought it right no 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 it's always been the wellington always, arms. It's, it's always been the wellington arms okay okay yep. i thought yep. it was i was looking up some stuff and i've got my got my wires crossed now i think um, in, in about 1900 it's the new inn Oh yeah, but I think oh, pubs okay. always called the new inn when they opened because there right. was a new one in the village, and then it became the Wellington Arms. When 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 was it built? Do do you know? About seventeen eighty. Wow, grade two listed. Supposedly that farmhouse, that building at the back is the old hunting lodge, but never had that verified. And we're talking on just to kind of um, give ourselves a, a visual of the, um, the, the geographic location where we're about an hour west of London. That's right. Yeah, west of London, between yeah. Reading, Basingstoke, and Newbury. There you go. Okay. And when you, I mean, when when you did take on the pub initially, was was it just okay? Like we we're, we're going to have a like you said, like an, an an informal space where there there's a pub, there's a restaurant, you know, like you know m- maybe a beer garden. Did did you ever, you know, because like, you, know, you now have accommodation there, like everything has oh. kind of grown into something I think much bigger with you know your farm and all kinds of things was. Was did it just kind of grow organically? Very much so. Um, we yeah, we didn't we have just, a clue what we were doing. A, <laughs> although, <laughs> although in Hong Kong there were seven restaurants and I ran them. I was the, the boy in charge in those days. We started with one and well, we had six and a gay bar actually. I suppose the yeah. staff had to go somewhere for a drink. I think the boss said. Um, <laughs> so it's amazing. It's funny. We had like fifteen managers who sort of run things and they're all gay. It was it was hilarious. Yeah. Um, and the fights that would break over break out over paint color. <laughs> it just took <laughs> everything everything at work in those days took forever to do. It was beautiful. It was amazing. We yeah. had some really pretty buildings. Um but bloody hell, it was very funny. Um and so after running those places, I sort of thought, well I'll be all right. I'll it'll be fine. I'll be able to run it. Um and I think running a place of your own and having to run your own book work and employ staff and pay for them yourself um is a very big difference between you know, working for someone and, and actually owning it. It was, yeah, it was a big culture shock. My mum actually came over from Australia to, um, to give us a hand because we were really in dire straits in the beginning. Yeah. We had a fire. Uh, <laughs> we had 
we had some real problems <laughs> in the beginning. We, the time and I couldn't believe it. How, how, couldn't so, believe. You, you said there was, there was a fire in the building that that. Yeah, we did. The fuse board caught fire one night. Oh, uh, yeah, um, we it just just did, and that causes some difficulty. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then boiler broke down. The boiler broke down a couple of times. So okay. no heating, no hot water. Yeah, it was just, it was sort of, it was pretty, yeah. So it had been a rental property, nothing nothing had been fixed properly for years. Yeah. And hence we were desperate to buy it so, so we could then invest some money in, in, the, in the building. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely an experience. So luckily my mum came over and, and she stayed for about three months. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> she spent a lot of time telling us off. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when... Because being my mum's in, in retail at home and the leases in England are, are obviously some of them quite old-fashioned the way they're written. Um, and my mum was came down the stairs one day and said, no son of mine would have signed a lease like this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yes, you did. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. Um, I'm like, mum, it's, it's not a big deal. It's fine. Anyway, she was right. <laughs> I should never have signed it. But anyway, that's all right. We own it now, so it's okay. So those, um, so, so the early, so you know, so the early days. I mean, at at, at what stage did you kind of realize that okay, look, we're, we're we're starting to get the hang of this. Where you know we we know we're making great food. Um, you know, people are starting to you know to notice what uh, we've done here. Where, well, that, when did things kind of start to? Oh yeah, that's a good story. Yeah. Thinking about the same thing, aren't we? That's um, I think a year in, um, we would clean out the chickens and stuff on Saturday lunchtimes because we only had a couple of tables. Um, on Saturday lunch, so I could get into the kitchen and do a bit Sat- of cooking. Saturday lunches were always quiet. Yeah, they were really terrible in those days. Sunday lunch, every Saturday, Saturday was that like a Saturday lunch was that dead day, right? And um, just in the morning, so I could sort of clean the chickens out and do other silly things uh, in the morning. And we had Charles Corrin come to the pub about two or three weeks earlier for lunch. And it was a nice warm day and it was Sunday lunch. Sunday lunch, that's right, Sunday lunch. Nice warm day. And he turned up in a huge camper van and parked and covered our whole car park, actually. He just, <laughs> just I think, so, so, so I don't think anyone else could get in. And he was wearing a pink T-shirt, some canvas all-star shoes and some, and some really groovy sunglasses. Yeah, and he just walked into the kitchen like he owned the place. It was really funny because the kitchen door opened out into the garden um, which I just always kept it open and you could see into the kitchen and stuff. And I actually just wave at people and stuff. So he just walked straight in and said, hello. And I was like, hello, um, can I help you? And he went, I'm here for lunch. And I went, oh, okay. Um, you got a booking? And he went, no. And I went, oh shit, we're pretty busy. Um, but if you go to the bar and see my boyfriend, you might be able to get a table. Um, he's a really good looking bloke. So I figured Simon would probably sort him out at the table. <laughs> And we didn't know who, who he was at all. And we had no idea. I, we, I, we Obviously, we read the paper and stuff, but we didn't know it was a big deal. This would have been in 2006, 2007, we I think. We were pretty stupid in the old days. And we, the whispers were going around the garden. Is that the guy off the TV? And we didn't, we didn't get any of this. It was and really this was weird. Before, before the iPhone, really, so you couldn't just get on your smartphone uh, and Google. Yeah. Yeah. And we had this, um, this thing in the toilet um, in, in the loo saying, oh, you know, 20 things you might not know about us and, you know, you know, what we do and stuff behind the scenes and this is whatever we do and, you know, we recycle and we do this and whatever. And um, he really liked it. So he pulled it off the wall and walked into the bar with, it, with Simon and said, can I talk to you about this list? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, who is this guy? Um, so, he, so, so I didn't have a clue and, and, and didn't get any vibe off him that he was a, a reviewer. reviewer. I mean, anybody else 
bloody should have. Um, but we, we didn't. Um, so he left. Um, no, he, remember he got lunch. That. He got he, lunch. He, he got, he got, he got lunch. a great lunch. Okay. And he came up at the end of the lunch and yeah. paid the bill. And I said, so are you the man off the TV? Did and you say said, that? And he said, yeah, my name's Giles Carr and I write for the you Times. You never told me that. Oh. Um, don't, you've got nothing to worry about. I've had a great lunch. Thank you very much. And then three weeks later, we didn't, you, you never know when these things are going, going to go to press. Yeah. And um, it was published in the Saturday Times, yeah. I think it was. Yeah. And we got nine out of nine 10, ten. Yeah. From wow. Giles Cole, which is far too generous, I must admit. Which um, was just amazing, <laughs> absolutely amazing. It was really ridiculous. And we did some good things. Though. We had no idea the effects positive press would have on our business. So we're, we're out cutting the chickens. And in the old days, we just took the phone out into the garden and it was on hands-free. So, you know, we could answer the, the book from out there. Because we had... If the phone ever rang. We had a couple of... We had about 300 <laughs> chickens in those days. Yeah. So there was quite a bit of work to do. And then all of a sudden the phone rang and we said, oh, I'll just get it. We're just going to answer it. I'll, I'll get the next one. And then the next phone rang again. It was a bit weird. And then it rang again and again and again. And he and I are both looking at each other going, um, maybe one of us should start what we're doing and go and answer the telephone. Um, and it was just so many bookings because we had this, this great review and people were wanting to book up. And that worked for about a year. It never stopped ringing. After even, people even to this day come in for a meal and say, I've got this clipping on my notice board in the kitchen <laughs> and um, we've been desperate to come. Yeah, it was a pretty cool <laughs> picture. We had these belted Galloways that he was going to. or So it was this really cute cartoon picture of a cow and him and a girl, um, this black and white cow. It's what a belt and Galloway looks like, you don't know. And um, so it's quite a cute ad and for us, I suppose. Um, and we, we got into this habit of sending Giles Conrad a, um, a box of goodies from the pub to say, look, thanks very much because – you did oh, amazing things for our business. And he always writes back a nice card going, just my job, guys. Which <laughs> 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 is a little bit too cool. Uh, it's very funny. Um, yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah, he did that nice. for us. Yeah, so that, that's the thing that sort of springboard mm-hmm. us into where we are now, I think. Yeah, thank you, Giles. Thank you, Giles. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, that's it. I mean, it's, it's amazing that one, you know, one one great lunch for, for someone like that can just really, you know, set you on. Yeah, but can you imagine if I did the sort of Gordon Ramsay thing and told him to piss off out yeah. of the kitchen? Get, or, get out of my kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> he just wandered in. He was just like, oh, how are you? And I'm like, I'm great. Hello. Um, my name's Jay. Can I help? <laughs> um, yeah, he was, he was a terrific guy. Um, but it was funny that he just sort of wandered in and he didn't have a booking or anything. So I imagine if we'd said, oh, we were full or, you know, um, sent him away yeah 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 we could be still cleaning the chickens out now <laughs> <laughs> and and speak, speaking of your chickens i mean you you've you've got quite a um menagerie yeah yeah like yeah. you what you, you what uh, talk talk us through like the other animals you've got on the um on the well, well, the pandemic has been a bit of knock on um uh-huh. the animals unfortunately um we had the bird flu problem to begin with that wasn't fun um right. and then all the Chickens had to go indoors, and we didn't have an indoor place that we could put three hundred chickens. Um, but the farmer down the road did. Okay. So they all they all moved down to his big barn, yep. um, and so he was the recipient of about three hundred chickens. He was very pleased. Um, yes. I was rather sad. Um, had, pigs have been and gone, haven't they? Pigs have been and gone. We've had lots of pigs. Mm-hmm. Pigs have been great fun because they're in the wood next door. We don't um, keep them for too long. Well, oh. last time they got very big. We probably didn't keep them too long. Um, they're, they're, they're always escaping. They're, <laughs> they're very clever things. Um, and then we had geese. 
for a bit. We had some beautiful Sebastopol keys, didn't we? Yeah. The, if you ever kept geese, they they look great, but they're mean. <laughs> <laughs> they don't like people. Very messy. And they make a lot of noise. So they they became Christmas dinner one year very quickly. Right. Um, <laughs> what else? And now we're into sheep. So we've got about seventy sheep. Um, oh, okay. And you probably can see that on Instagram. I'm the proud. Um, so I kind of became a vet um, again um, because <laughs> having lots of animals. Um, so that was good fun. Um, Jason's very good at looking after them, you know, oh, trimming yeah. their feet and massaging their aching legs. Or- <laughs> <laughs> oh, very nice. Very, very well cared for sheep, I must admit. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, is, 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 Jason, is Jason treating the sheep um, better than he's treating you? No, no, no not God. at all, not at all. <laughs> they, they sleep outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so do you sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but they're, they're beautiful. They're black and white Jacob sheep. It's a rare breed. I think a, a British breed of sheep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've got the two-horn variety. Yeah, they're pretty cool. And I mean, I mean, between, you know, between setting the menu um, that's, you know, that would be constantly changing and between, you know, the, the, the accommodation that you have on site as well and with the fun like how, I mean how do you how do you manage all of this <laughs> it seems um, like very ad hoc I must admit um, it's definitely a 24-7 yeah 24 hours a day yeah it's yeah it's so, very very ad hoc though I mean it's 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 funny days of old people would turn up with 20 or 30 pheasants at the back of the Range Rover and said here Jay I brought these for you um, and that would be on the menu um, yeah. yeah that that sort of silly things used to happen um, we used to have a, bad, a boy called Daniel who used to used to be part of a, a fishing syndicate and he used to turn up with fish quite a lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> we had an awful lot of fish on the menu because that boy. Um, we don't, we don't have stuff? time to do that anymore. We do, we do have some pretty crazy things. When we put an extension on the side of the pub and because um, we used to only have seven tables in the beginning, okay. um, so we were a little small joint. When you came, the extension, I think, has been on and sort of gone from a very small little place to a, a much bigger place. Um, yeah, we doubled the number of covers, didn't we? Well, yeah, but we turn tables and it's a bit nuts. Mm. For a little joint, we're pretty busy. Um, I think one, so, one, yeah. one, one of the best things I, I, I liked about um, staying with you was when we had dinner in the, in the pub the night, you know, the night, the night before, you would order your breakfast for the next morning at the same time. Oh, yeah. It's quite an eccentric. It is a funny way of doing it, but it makes life so much easier. because it, it does. If you, imagine, if you imagine you've got rooms that are coming in, um, you know, that day and they want to check in and you're checking out at 11. And if you rock up to breakfast at sort of 9, 9.30 and then I've got to cook you breakfast and then feed you and then you've got to turn around and get back to your room and then the poor lady who goes and cleans the rooms has to yeah. get them all ready and for four of them. And there's only four rooms. It's just, it's just more efficient. Um, we try not to make it seem like and you're ordering two lots of meals at once. But, <laughs> but it's Jason, does, Jason cooks the breakfast. And he cooks it from scratch. So if you want full English, it's best to get it underway before you walk in. Oh, yeah, I've cooking sausages and things like that. And, they're, you know, they're proper thick things and they take a good 20 minutes to cook a sausage from start to finish. And so, yeah, if it's a good to have a bit of an idea. To, because don't forget, I've also got uh, 40 or 50 people for lunch. So I've got to get you. Yeah. We've got to turn the restaurant over, turn the restaurant back in from breakfast service back to dinner service. Because we're not that big. We don't have a room set aside just for brekkie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and turn it around. So it's just yeah, it's um, yeah. It, it all works like clockwork these days. But in the beginning, it was just like oh Jesus. Um, I mean, it it, it actually made. I mean, from from a customer's perspective, it it 
it, it, I think it's great because you, know, you can be extra indulgent before you've even had your dinner and then just, you know, sign off on it, forget about it and don't worry about it and then just, you know, go, go and enjoy. So when you wake up... I'm you- all about being efficient. I, I already <laughs> am. Um, <laughs> I just... I There doesn't seem to be enough time in the day and, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. We run the place with lots of young people and stuff and we just have a system for everything and that's just how we roll. I don't know. We just... I don't know. It's the same sort of way we used to run in Hong Kong, I think. Um, yeah. Lots of tick sheets. Yeah. Lots of, yeah, lots of things to follow. And, um, and then, um, you know, we... we the Wellington Way or, or nothing. The Wellington Way. <laughs> yeah, so it's the Wellington Way on the highway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've got a way for doing everything. Yeah. <laughs> Clearing a table, washing a bench. Yeah, it's funny. Well, we, yeah. I mean, we definitely can't ignore what's, you know, been going on around the world the last, I mean, you know, two years now, I guess, um, yeah, with, you know, with, 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 with the pandemic and especially the impact that it's had on, on the hospitality industry. Um, yeah. But, you know, and following you guys on Instagram and just kind of seeing, I think, um, you know, the way that you've pivoted and, and, and oh, grown yeah. the business. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like yeah. I was going, I was, you know, I was, you know, brushing up on a few things um, over the weekend and, you know, like seeing like, you know, loaves of sourdough pop up and homemade gin and soups and donuts and ice cream and <laughs> pies. Like it seems, I mean, it was, yeah. it, 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 it was very mouthwatering just scrolling through the pages of Instagram and I was getting very oh, jealous. Thank you. But, but um, yeah. tell us, tell us how, how you kind of had to, had, uh, to, handle, had to handle all that. Okay. Well, um, we've got a couple of politicians that eat in the pub, which, which is kind of convenient. Uh, so they, kind of whispered that they might be shutting the pubs down. Um, right. So we didn't really believe it, but on the Friday night before the pub said, this is a week before, someone I watched the TV glued to it thinking, you know, we're going to shut the pubs down. And so I ran the kitchen down that Friday night. Um, uh, you know, we, we, we sort of got down to the last few things and the fast few bits of this and that and whatever, all readiness that, you know, that this was all going to happen. Anyway, the, the news court a reporter did their job and that was it. And then there was no shutdown. There was no nothing. It was just like, oh, far out. Okay, well, that, that was pointless. Looks like we're going to have a busy weekend. <laughs> so I don't know about you, but running a kitchen, then trying to run it down, then try to speed it back up again is hard work, particularly on Friday, Saturday, mm. Sunday night. Um, uh, so work like an absolute maniac to get it backed up to running. And then the following weekend was Mother's Day. And um, and then there was talk again that they were going to shut the pubs and they are going to shut this. And, that. and I thought, there's no way Boris is going to do this. It's Mother's Day. You know, this is one of our busiest weeks. This is intense because everybody and his dog wants to come to the pub on that week. And I just, we have so much food in the cool room. And mm. lo and behold, on Friday, they shut the pub. And I had about 15 grand for the food. It was five um, o'clock, Boris said, pubs God. tonight, pubs and restaurants tonight have to close. We had 70 or 80 bookings that evening. And, and the rest of the week was just insane. Yeah. And I had so much food in the fridge. I mean, roasts and oh, huge animals. And it was just nuts. So I'm looking in this fridge going, I can't throw this food out. This is insane. So I said to Simon, why don't you call up the customers and get them to come and buy takeaway and we'll put a trestle table outside the front of the pub and we turn the floodlights on and threw some tablecloths down and, and made it look like, I don't know, a farmer's market, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit crap, but it's all right. Help. It was very ad hoc, like everything we do. And we sold food in our dishes and our plates and anything else that we had as a container 
to put the food that we had that we we're going to sell to customers. So it was all sort of portioned up as like, you know, fish this and something yeah. other and steaks and stuff and said, look, please bring back the dishes um, and we'll see you next week because, you know, we didn't have any idea. I didn't think about possibly asking them to have a deposit. Well, some brought back the dishes and some didn't. Um, <laughs> so, and then it was that night that I had this idea that <clears throat> we could start doing this sort of takeaway in um, in a container and I, I'm a bit of a snob and I just did not want to cook in um, takeaway styrofoam containers or foil yeah. containers and stuff. And we have always been zero waste at the pub. So okay. for that reason too, I didn't want to do that. Um, you know, we have so little garbage. We have one black garbage bin a week of rubbish and we do about 450 covers. So we're, we're Jeez, pretty. that's fantastic. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. Isn't it? it really is. We, you know, compost a lot on site and do all sorts of silly things, like yeah. crazy things. And so I got Simon to find us a container um, on, on a website and it's just a nice table, table container you could put on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's he, a white porcelain dish. That's it. And um, roasting dish. And he managed to get a, a stamp in it, which is quite good, and our logo in the bottom of the dish. Um, and I think he ordered 400 of them. And they, they were delivered, I think, on the Tuesday. Um, so we started doing pies and that, takeaway cottage pies and lasagnas and uh, all sorts of different things, um, anything that would fit in that damn dish. Yeah. Um, we charged them a deposit this time. And it worked really <laughs> like video blockbuster. You had to pay a deposit and then you had to bring the dish back. And if you brought the dish back, and you had to buy another pie. So it went sort of it a bit of a revolving door. And I think we've got about 2,000 of those damn dishes circulating in the globe at the moment. Um, I think at so one stage, I, I, I think I think you did send a call out um, to like all. Please all bring your them customers. back. Yeah, like <laughs> you know, some of you haven't brought your dishes back. Please, please bring because, them back. Because the company um, went to lockdown as well, so they wouldn't provide oh, us with any more dishes. Couldn't get any more. So we we'd already bought some, and then and then we rang them up to buy some more. Um, it was called La Porcelana, I think. That's right. Um, and they were having some problems, and they had to close down, so we weren't able to buy any more dishes. So. For the whole thing to get, it was like, please bring your dishes back and we'll cook you some more food. And so the other thing was Jason was cooking all this food, which he had in containers in his in the walk-in fridge, and we couldn't sell it because we had nothing to put them in. <laughs> right. So I could people are really good. They, honestly, I I've never been one for for Instagram or one for social media of any kind. I've only had a mobile phone for a couple of years. <laughs> and, um, I know I'm that backward. It's funny, isn't it? Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I can't believe it. And, um, yeah, I, I had no idea. I, Instagram is amazing for getting people to pay attention to what you're doing. It's incredible. And the things that we did over lockdown really kept people informed about how we were doing things and what we were doing. And we did some pretty nuts things. I mean, that, um, that the good life takeoff with the spinning pie and the chickens going, <laughs> it was really cool. We had a lot of fun doing it, but it took ages to do <laughs> I don't, all for a, a 30 second um, video. Yeah, it's not um, easy. Not easy. <laughs> Thank God we employ so many young people at the pub because um, I, I would never have been able to do it on my own. <laughs> and that um, kind of, and, and, and that essentially kept, kept you guys going, you know, th- throughout yeah, the pandemic. Yeah, like, what, absolutely. It? I mean, we had a queue of people down the street buying pies and buying soup and stuff. I, I, I had no idea that people just don't cook anymore. I had a bloke who turned up and he, I'm handing over this cottage pie to him. He said, it's good to eat, isn't it? And I went, um, well, yeah, if you put it in the oven. He said, well, what, I can't eat it now. And I went, <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's not cooked. He said, 
well, it looks cooked. And I went, well, the mash is cooked and the thing underneath is cooked, mate, but you've got to cook it some more. <laughs> and he's like, he looked mortified. Um, so I said, you can't just put it on the oven at home and 40 minutes later it'll be ready. He said, don't worry, it'll be all right. Just make some peas or a salad and you'll be okay. <laughs> make, make, make sure he cooks it. I, I was just reading about that chef oh. in, in – it was northern, northern England, wasn't it? Oh, shit. Who, who oh, well, cook? no, don't no, no, don't compare me to that fellow. That guy doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> I know, Jesus Christ. Yeah, well. No, he made a lot of people sick. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Um, but, you know, I do worry about what people do with, with dinner they take from away from home because, you know, how long does it sit in the fridge? I mean, I, I honestly, I, I'd never done a takeaway restaurant before. And, I okay. mean, we had a deli in Hong Kong, but it, I, I suppose I never really considered what people did when they bought it. You know, they yeah. take it home in the fridge for a week and you know <laughs> you know yeah it's it's crazy stuff i mean in australia where we've always been a bit uptight about takeaway food yeah it's um, especially we, like going to eat at a restaurant and then taking food with you like, like yeah just, you've got to sign a finish. document yeah you've got to sign a document to say you know you will you will look after this thing and you will put it in your fridge and you will eat it within a day or two of taking it home and we will not be responsible yeah. for what you do with it yeah, we've always been a bit uptight about that in Australia. So, you know, when when we started doing it here, I was thinking to myself, come on, you don't look that savvy. I'm, I'm worried you might leave this in the back of the car for a while too long. Um, so, yeah, it does. It, yeah, it's a concern. Um, it, I think it, um, it, it, it's also it, it's also one of those positive things, you know, you know, at least something positive that maybe came out of you know the whole pandemic experience is that for for restaurants and and and, and bars even. You know, it, it did open up a new way for, you know, them to, to kind of engage with customers and sell more. You know, even here, like, you know, in California, you could do takeaway cocktails all of a sudden and that and they've kept that going. Well, for- I think we all had to because we, we just didn't have as, – as, um, as Simon and I, because we, we're business owners, we take a dividend of the profits. So technically we aren't the employee, you know. Well, we are paid a, a very small wage through yeah. PAYE. And that's that's just efficient through taxation, but all employers are paid pay themselves the same way. They take the profit, and their profit is their wage. So when the, dear old Boris decided to furlough everybody, if you're uh, an owner of a company, not a self-employed person, um, you you're screwed. You've got no income because right. you can't live on the money that you pay yourself currently to you know to get through uh, paying national insurance and all that sort of stuff. You just pay yourself the minimum, which is about four hundred pounds a month. And he and I can't live on four hundred pounds a month yeah. uh, each. Uh, we've got two children, and we've got mortgages, and we've got bills to pay. And so we just the the idea of being furloughed and sitting on our asses and watching Netflix all day long, <laughs> you know, it wouldn't be something we could have done. And thank God we didn't do it. Um, you know, I just looked in the fridge that day, and I couldn't throw away all this food. Yeah. Um, and some of my mates did, and they've gone broke. Uh, and then when they went to back up to reopen, they didn't have any staff either because they, you know, all the staff were sitting at home. Um, didn't come back. Some of them didn't. Um, where we kept the kitchen going, we employed everybody. We only furloughed, you know, um, a few people, and then you know it was it was out of necessity, really. Mm. Um, but I think we had a better experience than some people because um, we were kept active, um, and we we did get to do a lot of fun things. Um, and we fed a lot of people, which was good fun. Um, uh, yeah, we did some, we did some really stupid things during lockdown to keep us entertained. Uh, <laughs> that cocktail thing we did, that was really good fun. Uh, we did pints by the, you know, takeaway pints. That was fun too. 
Yeah. Um, it was very funny having blokes turning up, buying pints and walking out the door with them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, honestly, I, it seems every day when I think about it, it still seems like some sort of bizarre dream that we, we had. Um, <laughs> I still can't believe we survived it. I'm making <laughs> sausage rolls, quiches, pies, mm. amazing cakes. Yeah. Victoria I've got, sandwich. I've got this woman called Helen who works for me um, and she's just the most incredible baker uh, and pastry chef. And we were making some stupidly stupid things. She makes um, coffee and buns walnut. and coffee. Oh, just, coffee and walnut cake. The poor woman would get to work at the crack of dawn and work her ass off and <laughs> drive home. And, come and people, back and people were buying whole cakes. They're just yeah. amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> it was, yeah. We were very fortunate with the people who, who worked for us. Um, we were able to pull on all their talents to turn our business into, well, something else. Yeah. Over that period. Um, you know, Lucy doing Instagram um, and doing all the stupid things I thought we could do. And she'd be like, um, I don't think we've got an app for that. <laughs> um, but I'll look. And she'd, 20 minutes later, she'd come back with some editing app and, yeah, we'd come up with some other silly thing. Um, yeah, we yeah, we were very, very fortunate. Um, and poor old Sheila having to, uh, oh, God, manage the, the whole restaurant and deal with people coming in and cancelling bookings and refunding money and mm. then trying to find a bag of salad for somebody in the cool room and <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't murder me at any time. Um, yeah, it's just, yeah, we wouldn't have been able to do it without the people who work for us because it wasn't just him and I, it was, there's a, a load of people running around doing stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was, and then, and then, <laughs> then Simon and I took on two foster kids if the pandemic couldn't get any worse. Oh, that was, um, the, 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 that was during, during the pandemic. That was during, that was in the first two weeks. Yeah. The first two weeks of oh, lockdown wow. and we, shit <laughs> um yeah that was that's great crazy. yeah it was yeah it was a bit of an experience um yeah. it still is <laughs> it still is <laughs> home soon so um you'll be able to hear a lot of clatter in a second um, um yeah and and we have um you know christmas is just around the corner um yeah. and I, I actually again i was I, I it sounds like i'm 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 obsessed with your instagram but there was um I saw that you were making Christmas pudding ice cream. Oh yeah, and yeah, we are. Yeah, I, yeah, we make it. When yeah. I saw that, I because so d- during the pandemic, I bought myself like one of those big kind of expensive ice cream makers, and my wife murdered me at the time. <laughs> but, then, <laughs> but then when I started actually, you know, churning out some ice cream, she's like, "Okay, I forgive you." Um, I'll have to send you a recipe. And yeah, but that um, t- yeah, like. <laughs> Talk, talk me through just 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 to start with Christmas that Christmas pudding ice cream because it looks well in Hong amazing. Kong we were the group that I worked for were only one of three places that had a license to make ice cream. Um, it's hard to believe that in those days you, you just had to have a license, a to, license make ice cream. to make ice cream. Okay, because um, I think hygiene wasn't too hot in those days, right? Um, and so we had a license, and so I would make weird and wonderful ice creams um, all day long because it was something that we could sell in our business. And so all of our restaurants had ice cream and stuff. So yeah. I was always making weird and wonderful flavours and things. So um, I suppose when we took on the restaurant, um, what we have now, we've always made some pretty weird things. Um, the Christmas pudding ice cream, um, well, it's had lots of, I mean, initially it was just Christmas puddings that we crumbled up and put into ice cream, but that that was always had sort of a grainy flavour. Uh-huh. And then I made mincemeat um one year and I put that into the ice cream and then didn't think about the fat would then solidify and that wouldn't be very good. Uh-huh. So that would be a bit of a failure. 
And then later on, we just made mincemeat without the fat and then cooked it the same way and then spooned that through the ice cream. And that's, that's been the basic recipe that we've used from then on. And that was, just, it's just mind blowing. It's so good. Yeah. It <laughs> it's really, really good. Um, just, just trying to get the alcohol right. So, so if you put too much booze in it, the ice cream won't set. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it, it works well and it's, 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 it's a good thing. Um, it's a very good center. Yeah. It sounds really well. It does. It's, we've made it, we've made three or four batches already. We thought we'd just make a few batches and that'll get us ready for Christmas. Um, but no, all of it's gone already and I've got to make it again tomorrow. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it keeps the coffers filled. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely right. not surprised that it's all gone. I'm not surprised. At it's all. really tasty. It's it's incredibly tasty. It's um, it's incredibly tasty actually. Um, we actually made mince pie ice cream last week because we screwed some mince pies up. We <laughs> we buttered the dishes. We buttered the dishes to put the mince pies in, but whoever buttered them didn't butter them well, and um, Helen was not happy. Um, so these terrific mince pies that that look fantastic just couldn't come out of the molds. So as I'm trying to pacate, I'm going, it's okay. I'm sure we can fix it. I'm sure we can do something with it. I'm thinking we are never going to be able to fix this. Um, and she was baking ice cream at the time. I said, I'll tell you what, we'll crumble it up and we'll put it through some ice cream and it won't be wasted. It'll be fine. Anyway, we were, <laughs> we're trying it. It's actually really good. <laughs> Thankfully, she was a lot happier after that. Um, so now <laughs> mince, mince, mince pie ice cream. But we're not sure what we're going to call it because it sounds like a very strange ice cream. It's very, very strange ice cream. I've come up with a better, a better label. Um, <laughs> but that's how it is at the pub. It's always really ad hoc. We, we screw something up and, and then, and then it becomes something else. Yeah. Or, or someone turns up with something and, and we think, oh Christ, what are we going to do with this? Um, yeah. It's always a bit sort of like ready, steady cook at the pub on a big scale. <laughs> and what is, what, what does the rest of, uh, the, the Christmas season look like for you guys at the pub? I mean, are you, are you, do, you do you actually open on Christmas or do you, do you close down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Christmas, Christmas is huge for us. Yeah, 17th Christmas working. Christmas day. Pays for January. Um, wow. We tend to take three or four weeks off in January. It's yeah. something I work seven days a week and we don't stop. So we tend to take three, what well, used to be two weeks, and somehow he seemed to. I managed to get three out of them. Somehow. <laughs> we're on holiday and I didn't realize we weren't going home. <laughs> Jason's packing his bags and then we've got another week. <laughs> that was a bit of a shock. Um, but um, now that, that now we've got the children, um, I think holidays are going to have to be curtailed. There's school education paid for and all sorts of things. So I'm not sure how this Christmas is going to work out. Um, we're, we're open all the way through Christmas Day, Boxing Day. Yep. And, um, yeah. Yeah. And what's yeah, what's out. what's on the menu usually for a, for a, a Christmas Day lunch at the Wellington Arms? There always has to be turkey. One one year there was goose, uh, as I said, I think earlier, yeah. and that was very popular. Uh, surprisingly, people uh, are very traditional around us. And turkey was, turkey was what's required. And I gave them goose, and I don't think they were that happy. <laughs> so it's definitely going to be turkey. But the um, <laughs> the cheese souffle features, doesn't it? As yeah, a starter. it has to be. Yeah, that mm-hmm. bloody thing. That's one of the that, most popular things we I have. I make that twice a day. It drives me crazy. I think I've made a hundred thousand bloody freaking souffles <laughs> <laughs> this year alone. <laughs> oh, it makes me crazy because that's a lot of souffle. Make, Oh, because you can buy them now to take away. I thought my job couldn't get any harder, and now now I've got people who have have in the restaurant and have them to take away. And it's like, Jesus, mate, give me a break here. Um, thanks to Stephanie Alexander for the for the basis of that recipe. Um, oh, okay, I, yeah. I I met Stephanie. I never got to work for Stephanie. I applied to work for her. Uh, she was away in Florence at the time. I got a very nice letter back. Um, yeah. Sorry, very nice letter back um, uh, saying that she's away. Um, 
maybe you should try somewhere else. Uh, so that's how I got to work for Fanny's. Um, and I, I ran into Stephanie a couple of times over the years uh, when I was a young fella. And she always remembered me. She was amazing. She, she had an incredible name for faces. Amazing. She, she always remembered me. And then um, we went to the Carnaroon Olympics and one of the girls uh, who worked for her was on the team. And um, I ran into her there. Uh, yeah, it's funny. And so her recipe for the cheese souffle is the one that I use at the pub uh, with a few these days. So um, thanks to her. Um, otherwise, I probably wouldn't have a business. <laughs> uh, she's an amazing woman. Yeah. Um, it was a couple of years ago. We had we were the hosts of First Dates. Oh God, Christmas yes. special. I forgot about that. So it's a TV show in the UK where singletons are matched together. Okay. And then first date in a restaurant, and so we were fortunate to be chosen. Um, for the, the most for the pub in the country, I think. Yeah, we were the, the um, First Dates Christmas special, the country pub, and um, they. Came, took over the pub for about five days, I think it was. Yeah, we had 150 people running around decorating the pub to make wow. it look like a TV set. It was insane. Absolutely I insane. I've never seen so much, so many people. So ten, many- <laughs> ten people decorated the pub for Christmas all day. <laughs> Seven Christmas trees. They spent four times the budget on decorations. It was over the top. Like There were fairy yeah. lights everywhere. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was definitely a different take on what we would call Christmas decorations, but uh, I'll just leave it at that. Um, but it was just over the top. It was it pretty, so well on time. In yeah. pretty crazy stuff. Yeah. And they recorded 10 couples in one day. Oh, so it so wasn't started- it wasn't just one couple at like at the pub and they chose multiple restaurants. Like you were yeah. the restaurant and it was for the yeah. whole whole People special. Came from all over the UK to eat in our restaurant, the Wellington Arms. And um they were recorded from I think the first Turkey went out at about 11 o'clock in the morning, didn't it? Yeah, it did. And, the magic of television. And Jason was cooking Christmas lunch from 11 in the morning till so 11 at night. night. It was crazy. They didn't oh want to stop And So they recorded 10 couples and we had lots of diners in and there were out of our guests that filled in. Yeah. The place looked busy. Yeah, we had and, to come up with an audience for them. Yeah. And they... <laughs> we had so many people wanted the job. They, they actually made two episodes. Yeah. And... Oh, wow. um, and then there were three couples per episode. And so it was great. We did two. We had the first show was on Christmas Day 2019. It was a huge, huge blast amazing. for us because yeah. we, uh, we got all that publicity. And um, they said to us, can we pay you for, um, <laughs> for using the pub? And I said, well, no, no. The advertising alone is what getting from you guys is, is, is going to be terrific. Yeah. You know, because uh, you know, it's got the Wellington Arms on the front of the pub. And so I was like, this is going to be amazing for us. And then through, through editing, they edited out everything that said the Wellington Arms because it was the BBC. They couldn't publicise it. Oh, so no. Really, really clever. Uh, yeah, it turned out to be um, this nice white pub that they drove up to with no branding, no nothing on it. Oh, bugger. <laughs> Had everything out, like, like uh, uh, shortbreads with a little stamp on it and everything, everything about the Wellington Arms. They, they, um, what do they call it? They call it um, airbrushing. Yeah. They airbrushed the whole lot <laughs> oh, well yeah it's a bit of a bugger actually actually yeah. speaking of, uh, of television you, you guys are very close to where they film downton abbey aren't you yeah yeah we are yeah. that's why high clear castle is 15 minute drive from the pub 
Yeah. Lady Carnarvon is really good and she supports the pub. She's brilliant. She sends lots of customers to us. Oh, she's pretty- beautiful. Yeah. Um, we stock their gin behind the bar as yeah. well. High clear castle gin. She's as, she's as mad as a cut snake, Lady Carnarvon. She, she does these um, Instagrams at 11 o'clock and they're very funny. She has so many followers. Um, very funny. It and could during- be something as simple as chopping down a tree, but she makes yeah. it out to be hilarious. And then during lockdown, she invited me over. Oh, yes. Um, she wanted some food from our take from the deli to to prepare for a for that I think it was their wedding anniversary or maybe yeah. her husband's Lord Carnarvon's birthday. It was, yeah, it was. Yeah. So I delivered the food to the castle, and um, she was there with her team to record an Instagram as I handed over this hamper of food, <laughs> yeah. which is fantastic. We had more likes on Instagram than we've ever had. Yeah, thanks, Lord and Lady Carnarvon. And do you remember the joke which she said to you? You, she said, oh, I really like sourdough. And you said, oh, I'll get the starter. And she said, but you brought me a starter. And you know, <laughs> she really didn't get it. It was really funny. <laughs> she looked mortified to think maybe we've left something behind. Um, yeah. Uh, she's really, really, she was really, yeah, she's lovely. She's really lovely. That first dates thing. Oh, my goodness. I could never be in television. Oh, my. There were so many takes. I, you know, being a chef and you take food out of the oven, you want the customer to get that then and there. You know, oh, the I'm sure, oh, yeah. And then then the, the food would be going out and then you'd get a, a scene back saying, hang on a minute, uh, we can't send out now. that they're, they're talking and there's something interesting happening so we can't interrupt them. And I, I, I had to cook a souffle a dozen times over just so that we could go back out and get the shot. <laughs> I, I, I was ready to kill somebody by the end. <laughs> <laughs> and Jason, ring the bell, the souffle is ready, the cheese is on the top, and then the waitress from the TV would be there. A makeup artist would come in and adjust the makeup. <laughs> Put on. Oh, there goes the doorbell. Um, the she'd adjust the lipstick, and the souffle is beginning to sort of collapse. Oh no! Yeah. Um, so they would throw another one back in the oven, and then do it all over again. And we we just did that all, all day. day. <laughs> and Fred was so funny because Fred Fred has an enormous appetite, so. He just kept eating. Um, I've never seen a man eat as much food as he has. Um, he, he's, he loves his dinner. And uh, so he would be hanging around the kitchen <laughs> in between takes to say, so what else can I have? <laughs> he, was, he was a funny chap. Um, yeah, he was a very yeah, funny it was good chap. fun. I, I've never had to feed so many people in such a short space of time. It's just, <laughs> they are endless. And we had to feed the crew, and they told me the crew would be 20 people. Um, you you so, were also feeding the crew. Yeah, well, no, that's that's what happened. It was we were feeding the crew, and they said there would just be twenty people got to feed. Yeah, but I think the first day they really liked the food, and then the next day there were there were forty people, and then the next day there were fifty people, and I was like, what the hell is going on? Here? <laughs> <laughs> I, I seem to be feeding more people every day. Um, feeding word, the food. Word, and, word, word had clearly gotten out, and it's like you have to come and work on this show because the food well, is so good. Well, that's I think was happening because we had all these these the crew members just seemed to multiply and we had a crew <laughs> tent and then and yeah it was it was getting a bit silly at one point <laughs> was, I was just I was like guys hang on a minute <laughs> what's going on <laughs> I've, I've never made so many dinners for so many different people and they just kept appearing from nowhere it's a bit of an adventure I, I certainly would not want to be in TV uh, I, I I my hats off to anybody who's involved in telly um, because it's um. Yeah, it's a lot of hard work. <laughs> um, and what's what is you know like as we you know try to emerge from the last couple of years of you know pretty ordinary times. What what yeah. what, what do you guys have have planned for the future with um with the pub and how do you see yourself? Uh, or- well, I think I don't know. The pandemic made it, put it cost us a fortune. Um, right. 
wouldn't want to tell you how much money it cost us because I'm still trying to grapple it myself. Mm. Um, uh, so we're sort of a bit behind um, with what we were going to do. We had a greenhouse planned and we had a couple more rooms planned, but that all got kind of shelved um, just because the money just got all got and gobbled up with just the running costs. Of the and business. we still really haven't, we're not back up to speed with the number of staff we've got either. No, because we just, yeah. we're busy and we're full and stuff like that. We're still short a couple of chefs and we're still short uh, a couple of waiters. So if anybody wants a job, <laughs> We're hiring. Recruiting, <laughs> recruiting chefs, recruiting waiters. But then I think the whole world's short of staff all of a sudden. It's really yeah, weird. It's it's incredible. Everyone went to Mars. It's really weird. We now have to close on Sunday because we can't make the lovely people we've got work any harder than they do already. Oh, well, really? No, okay. We're no, it's no, we're short staff. That's why we can't, we can't yeah. make it. We just, we're just short staff, so we can't run the thing. But also, you know, we've got the kids these days, so it's sort of it works and it works and it doesn't work. Um, I still find myself going to work on Sunday and on Monday, um, even though we're closed. Um, but just just trying to keep up with what we're doing. Yeah. Because um, the you know, the takeaways is another part of what keeps the restaurant going. So um, yeah, yeah. And that's so, and so that's something you you'll, you'll you want to keep up and keep going. But, well, it works. Yeah. Yeah, it works. It makes it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we sort of. Um, you know, obviously the restaurant's got a capacity and we can't take any more bookings when we have more seats. Um, so it's just another level of the business that we're making some money on. Um, I think it'd be stupid to stop doing it. Yeah. Um, so many dishes we need to fill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We do because <laughs> people bring them back. <laughs> Thank goodness. Um, yeah. And it, it's popular. It's, it's, it, and it's really sweet because, um, you know, uh, people use it as a dinner party. So they'll, they'll have, you know, if they don't come to us or whatever, they'll have our food at home. Um, so it works. Yeah, it really works. I, I, I mean, there were lots of Australian restaurants that, that did that. Um, I think um, uh, there were lots of places. I'm trying to think of the one that's really, really, uh, the one in the country. What's that called? In, uh, in Victoria? Yeah. Oh, Jesus, uh, Bray? That's it, Bray. Gee, thank you. I yeah. never would have got that. Um, they, they were doing the same thing as well. And I remember lots of posts um, from him saying, which I copied one of them, um, he, um, he said, uh, your business will survive if you've got a decent lasagna recipe, <laughs> <laughs> which I must admit I've used a few times because we make it lean, mean lasagna, uh, which is a bit of a joke, you know, if you're, if you're a decent chef and you've been cooking for a long time and you're having to um, ask your mother, to, how do you make a lasagna? <laughs> um, it definitely improves. I think the first one I made wasn't too hot. Um, it definitely improved over the time. <laughs> yeah, it's very good. <laughs> well, um, this has been fantastic to chat to you both and and uh, and hear about you know the Wellington Arms and and how it all started and where you guys Thank are you. now. Thank um, you very much. Yeah, definitely been loving what you guys have been doing and and can't wait to see what's 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 coming next and hopefully you can get some of the some of the projects back on back on track with the greenhouse and the room extensions yeah well yeah well that's going to be next year um if we can pull it off yeah it'd be quite good i must admit it's very funny talking to you um being australian hearing your twang on the way back you, you're definitely more awkward than i am uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's really lovely listening to you i'm trying to i mean I, I i've been living i've been living in the u.s for uh 10 years now and i've i've just been doing everything i can to hang on to my to my accent because if if I if I started to lose it, I, I think my mother would disown me. So, <laughs> um, 
But, I get um, more rock and roll if you give me a couple of beers, but it's a bit early in the day. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah, and that's it. I mean, any time I actually go back and visit and I start hanging around with you know my friends within within a few days, it's 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 much more thick, and it's uh, you sound like Pauline Hanson. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully not. Hopefully not that bad. But, um, but thank you again, guys, and um, have a very merry Christmas and all the best. Uh, all the best moving forward. Thanks very much, Nick. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.